You are listening to Subro on the Go, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor's Subrogation and Recovery Practice Group, with discussions and perspectives on emerging trends, developments, and best practices. Now let's get started with your hosts, Dave Briscoe and Joe Rich. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Subro on the Go. I am joined today, this is David Briscoe from the San Diego office, of course, and joined as always with my uh, regular co-host, Joe Rich from our Miami office. Um, I'm finally getting over a cold where I lost my voice, so my apologies if my voice cracks a few times like I'm back in junior high. Um, but we've got, we've got an exciting topic and special guest today. Today is all about explosions. Uh, we've got Jake Skaggs out of our Houston office. He's got 20 years of subro experience, uh, regularly practicing in both Texas and Louisiana, and he's our resident explosion expert. Um, so, so welcome aboard, Jake. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys, uh, and thanks for the inter- introduction. Uh, I guess the kind of the benefit of uh, practicing in Houston or in the Gulf Coast region is that we have a lot of um, uh, facilities, manufacturing facilities, industrial plants, and, and uh, unfortunately, periodically, uh, they lead to large catastrophes, and, and I've been a part of investigations of origin and cause on both the defense as well as uh, the plaintiff side. So um, um, so hopefully I can add some uh, perspective and give some hints and, um, and discuss how we kind of proceed explosions because they, they, they're their own animal, their own difficult animal to, uh, to handle and get your hands around. Yeah, let's level the playing field a little bit and, and understand some of your background. And we can't obviously have you go through specific cases. Um, obviously, as everybody knows, when, when a lot of cases settles, there's going to be you know confidentiality agreements um, associated with it. So if, if there's a way to talk about some of your background with explosions and the types of, you know, generally the types of explosion cases you've handled, um, give us a little flavor and in, in, in how subrogation you know, plays a role in explosion cases. Sure. So it, it goes really all the way back to when I was a law clerk at a, a, a pro, predominant, uh, prominent um, a plaintiff's personal injury firm here. We had a, um, uh, a plant, uh, uh, an uh, oil and chemical plant explosion uh, occur, and we were the firm was retained, and we we're kind of all hands on deck, e- even as a law clerk. So I got that was my first kind of taste of very complicated. Uh, forensic origin and cause investigation and then it just kind of from there it's grown to uh, uh, all over Texas and Louisiana Um, you know most of the time many times as you know in subro it it doesn't arise to any kind of third-party liability there's a lot of uh, human error uh, on part of employees that lead to explosions that you have to address but uh, you know that's primarily it but what's the what has happened in the recently is small manufacturers and handling really uh, dangerous types of chemicals or gases that have uh, uh, been the focus point of most of my subrogation uh, and investigations and, and recoveries. Jake, sorry, let me. Sorry, I want to jump in, Jake. I know Dave asked you for a little bit of your background to give us a little bit of flavor on these, but I'm going to ask if we can talk a little bit about the special sauce of how you go about investigating these, because I think that's got to have its own challenges, right? Yeah, it sure does. It has a lot more challenges than your just traditional, uh, you know, house fire looking at. So, you know, what happens is, is 
<laughs> unfortunately you get you know an explosion occurs it, most of the time it happens early in the morning late at night or overnight during half, half hours you know so what happens is i i'll wake up in the morning i'll see a plant or a small manufacturer had a catastrophe explosion has affected a neighborhood or uh, many homes or businesses and, and then we get the phone call and the main difficulty is the explosion and resulting fire if there is one is not on our property it's on somebody else's property and and we can't get access we can't just walk on their property so how do you go about um, trying to figure out what happened and and a lot of times you know it's getting involved very early is the critical part and getting somebody out to the scene to find out who are the people making the decisions and determining how the investigation is going and also you have usually the government gets involved from local state and federal government depending on what happened and so they take control of the scene so it's very important to hire the right people that know who's in charge so you can gain information and access so that's that's the most difficult part of it is just trying to get involved because i'll have clients say well it's an explosion i'll just you know wait in the background and then uh, you know, make submit my demand and you cause this much damage. And, and as we all know, there's no more strict liability. Just because something happened on somebody's property doesn't mean they're necessarily liable for it. You have to you have to do the the re the investigation and, and build your case to if you plan on making any kind of recovery. Well, that's that's such an excellent point because we know you know the bigger the case in subrogation um, and and when it starts another somebody else's property. You, you hit the nail on the head. Those relationships that that, you know, you have with with experts or with, you know, public entities and, and public agencies investigating is so critical because you need that information because we're trying to make decisions early on as to what are we dealing with. And I imagine you're trying to make decisions as to, you know, what type of expert am I going to need? And you need some information as to what's going on at the loss location so you can decide you know, what kind of expert am I going to get? So, so talk to us about like the, the experts involved in an explosion case. I would imagine, you know, it depends on, I mean, is it a mechanical explosion of some sort? Is it a chemical explosion of some sort? But what, what kinds of experts are you using in an explosion case? Yeah, that's exactly right, uh, Dave, is that you have to get the information of what is the process was going on at the facility where the explosion happened. Was it a chemical process? Was it a manufacturing process? Was it uh, some type of uh, annealing or welding process or gas filling or what, you know, whatever the process is, then you have an idea of what is involved and you form your team to be a part of it. So the, the critical aspect, I think, is your origin and cause guy, your, your fire origin cause guy. You still need them to determine where the epicenter of the explosion was. And he's, he or she is your point person uh, for communications with the government. Again, the government takes control of the site and does what they need to do to determine if there's some type of crime or do their kind of investigation. So hiring the, the origin and cause investigator that can uh, communicate, get information so that you then go forward and form your team, which may include, most likely include an electrical engineer, some type of mechanical engineer, and then a materials type expert if you're looking at a product failure. Gotcha. And then what about, so as you, you, you get some information about this new loss, 
that's on somebody else's property. It's a big explosion. You're, you're, you're starting to, you know, um, gather together your usual team of experts now that you've gotten some intel as to what's going on and what type of experts you need. But what are some of the challenges? I know NFPA 921 has an entire chapter devoted to explosions and, the, and it, it highlighting just how different an explosion case is from a traditional fire case. Um, so, but what are some of the, the unique challenges on the investigation front to proving the cause when you're dealing with a massive explosion? Okay, so your hope is is that the property owner and its insurer, well, your first hope is that they have insurance, <laughs> but your, um, you know, that their insurers hire lawyers that are experienced in this type of area. Um, and you know, it's there are there are firms out there that handle uh, a rapid response to to explosions. We deal with them. They're 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 excellent attorneys, and they know how to do a systematic investigation. Your fear is they hire their local person or their you know the litigation section of uh, their transactional team, and they just kind of go in there and, and willy nilly. Um, handle the or control the scene um, you know what needs to occur is is we identify potentially responsible parties that the area is coordinated off and then uh, allow the fire investigators to go in there and start systematically going through to get narrowed down to determine the, the epicenter. What you want to avoid, you know, they, they gather all their evidence, but what happens is there's so many different stories, especially something as, as a catastrophic as an explosion that, you know, somebody may, you know, you hear something, so oh, I, I heard bubbling or I saw or smelled gas on this side of the area and that can affect, you know, not a, an unqualified expert's opinion as to where the epicenter was. You have to gather all the evidence. There's a lot of different stories. There's a lot of different information to uh, filter through. And so you have to hire the right people that know to how to handle explosions. And, and the primary things they do is they, they basically fence off where the explosion happened as far as it goes. They identify as far as the, the debris field is. And, and mind you, this looks like a war zone most of the time. You'll have debris fields for blocks over. Uh, unfortunately, in Houston, we don't have any zoning laws. So you, you can have a situation where you have a neighborhood and business, commercial businesses, you know, right next to a small manufacturing facility that was handling dangerous chemicals. And so you can, you know, looking for debris in people's backyards and, 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 and rooftops and things like that. Um, what you hope, and most every fire investigator now handles, has a drone pilot so that you can get a, a you send the drone up first so you can get a, an idea of the field that you're working with and what you need to, um, you know, fence off essentially. And then from there you do what, is, what essentially is a gridding pattern so you can collect all the evidence that you need to going forward. Jake, let me let me ask. It sounds like a big part of what you need to do is really just coordination. Like I, I think about sites that I've had where there have been safety issues and multiple parties. It seems like you're routinely dealing with that with these type of investigations. Yeah, Joe, that's exactly right. Is as, as the lawyer's part of it, since you know, I'm not going to be testifying as to what caused the explosion or you know anything of that nature. Our main job is finding the people that are in charge, 
getting in, in touch with them and getting essentially getting our seat at the table, right? Um, these explosions, particularly in, in, in industrial fields, they move very fast. The government comes in, they do what they need to do. You're not going to be able to tell the government, don't move this or don't move that, but you at least got to know what they're doing and what they move around. And unfortunately, a lot of times there are reports or the states that they get, you don't get until maybe a year later or when they issue their reports. So, you know, our main job is after a mass explosion occurs is working the phones and finding out who's involved and how do we get forward, getting notice letters out, working you have to work with you know who may potentially be your adversary in this case to make sure all the right parties are you know there present if it's some if they have an idea that maybe it's a product failure or some type of systems failure uh, so that's that's our main job what what type of talk to us about what in addition to the coordination what type of data are you trying to get for your experts i know like one of the things we preach um to the industry in a traditional subro fire case um, is we want to be involved early to assist getting data for our experts that's so critical to their investigation and that that is you you want to get sooner than later be it you know in a, in a, in a regular home fire case you're trying to get you know uh, surveillance camera videos and you're trying to get you know who was the last contractor doing work there and where's the contracts and what's the you know um, are there any you know pre-loss pictures and there's just a, a, a never-ending list of things we're trying to get on a traditional subro case what are you trying to get in addition to coordinating scene access and coordinating getting the right experts there what's this kind of specific types of data you're trying to get for our experts sure so so the primary uh, information that I am trying to get is what is the process that was going on at this facility um, you know were they uh, making widgets were they converting were they uh, making gasoline were they making jet fuel uh, or plastics or that type of information uh, that's the main uh, idea. Second is we try to get information as to what type of um, materials are on are being produced. If it's a if it's a raw, what type of um, finished product is being produced there, and, and how is it stored? And then what type of raw materials are being used to make the finished product, and how are those, or where are those being stored? Uh, are they in tanks? Are they in vessels? Are they underground? And then again, it goes back to the process: is how is how is the raw material transported to the manufacturing facility, and then transported to the end? Secondly, we're trying to figure out what's their process safety, and that's a little bit more difficult uh, because a lot of people don't understand process safety uh, concerns or issues, uh, and that means what kind of alarms you ha they had there, what type of detectors they had there, what type of uh, uh, procedure, employee procedures did they have, what kind of shutdown procedures, and then uh, also where were they at in the work uh, position were they running three shifts a day 24 hours a day were they running uh, just two shifts and this would happen overnight you know where were they in the work process these are like the main things we try to figure out very early on in the in the game oh, that's great stuff um, and, and talk Jake, to me once go ahead, we'll go ahead let, sorry so once you get access what are the specific things like are there certain techniques certain methodologies that you see that you'll have to routinely use for these type of investigations? 
Sure. So, you know, you have to go back in an explosion to uh, your fire triangle, right? We need, we need a fuel, we need an ignition source, and we need oxygen. So once you, you have, before, you, once you've kind of, uh, your fire investigator has narrowed down an area of origin and you start processing that scene, you look for what your fuel sources were, how they come in there, what are potential ignition sources, and where's the where's the oxygen coming from? And what I've learned in this is, you know, you have so many different potential ignition sources. You have we we had a case where uh, it was the light switch. The the poor employee, um, you know, came to work that day. There was a uh, unfortunately a leak overnight, and he, when he flipped the switch, there was an explosion, and. Um, in, in, but I knew that was possible from watching television and movies. I think we've all seen that on television and stuff, but I didn't know the, 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 the mechanics of how that occurred. So we actually duplicate that in a lab to show how the explosion or how a light switch can actually ignite uh, uh, gas. Um, but there's also, you know, if it's a fluid uh, such as gasoline or some type of uh, petrol uh, component, okay, how did that ignite and is that possible? And so you have to make sure you're not, uh, your fire investigator who's very, I'm sure is very good, can determine, you know, you're eliminating things you've seen in the movies. Cause so a lot of time that's not reality. A lot of time explosions can be very hard to occur because you know, as you know, in the gas, you either can have not enough gas in your room to explode or you can have too much gas in there and it's too enriched and you don't have an explosion. So these are all the things that you look at, um, you know, as you're trying to find your area of origin in your, in your cause. Oh, your comments about proving up the um, cause of the fire or cause of the explosion, you know, really lead right into my last question on this is, um, talk to us about that, that burden of what you're trying to prove. Obviously, you know, you talked about not being strict liability, but, you know, many states, California Supreme Court has recognized as many states that fires destroy evidence and a plaintiff is not always going to be able to say with specificity how the fire occurred. And so we're allowed to rely on circumstantial evidence who's in control. You know, is the defendant's negligence the only way that, that you could have had this explosion? So talk to us in an explosion case, you know, um, especially with the destruction of evidence from the explosion, what, what are you trying to get to in terms of um, your level of proof? Sure. So, you know, ideally, you know, you, you, when you're looking at a negligence case, or not, not ideally is not the right term, but, you know, you have either a negligence case or there was some type of product failure case, and those brings up the two different issues. In a negligence case, we start, we look, we look at the process that the, the, the facility or the plant owner went through or its contractors, uh, if, they, if they were doing some type of maintenance or shutdown turnaround, if they breach the standard of care, we, uh, and, and, and again, in a product case, we know we have to look to see if there was some type of defect in design or, or construction. And, and bringing it back is, uh, a lot of times explosions, they blow the evidence across a neighborhood and you're, you're working backwards and trying to piece together a puzzle that's very, very difficult, even more difficult than a house fire because you're working with such a big, complicated mass. And what I have told clients is, yeah, we don't have to find the smoking gun necessarily, but we have to find enough evidence to suggest, to support a potential uh, theory as to this pipe broke um, because it was routed this way, even though we can't find the pipe, we've eliminated everything else in there. 
we have other examples of how the pipe is routed and this is our theory. You have to at least have put forth a theory. You can't just go into court and say, well, the explosion happened on their property and I want some money. You gotta put forth a theory as to they didn't maintain it and this is why it broke or this was a bad weld and this is a product failure. So, you know, you still have to do your, your true investigation to put forward to, to succeed in these types of cases. Well, this, well, this, this was great this stuff. Was great. This really helped to paint a picture, I think, for the audience, um, you know, as to what you deal with in an explosion case and, and just, every, you know, not just with the explosion itself being big, but with the facility being so large and with so many people involved and, and the whole operation that that um, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, times 100 <laughs> compared to a traditional, uh, you know, house fire subro investigation. So we appreciate you, Jake, sharing your, your insights and experience with us today. Yeah, if I could just say one thing is it, 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 it's it's different in its complexity, but what I would suggest is getting just like a house fire, getting early involvement um, and, and getting a seat at the table in the investigation is critical. Just waiting back and thinking you're going to send off a demand package. It, it's just it's not it's not going to you know, it's either going to be ignored or you just you're going to find yourself kind of on the outside looking in. Thanks, Jake. I, I, I think those are good points to close on for our audience. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, David, as always, thanks for uh, not taking a shot at me <laughs> today. So um, this may be the first podcast where that didn't happen. But thanks again, Jake. We'll, we'll save our jokes for next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks guys. guys. Take it easy. <laughs>